Hail and hello, everyone, and welcome back to another random, even ramblings podcast. Oh, yes. Get underway here in just a little bit. Let's get into the mood, people. Let's get into the zone. And I don't mean auto zone. Listening to the track Gungnir by Danheim. Gungnir, of course, being the name of Odin's spear, which when thrown, never misses its mark. So, hail and welcome back. Like I said before, uh, hope you guys like the uh, the music intro. Hope you guys are out here enjoying the video podcast uh, option that Spotify is now offering. So for all you Spotify listeners that uh, follow what I do here on the podcast, uh, check it out. Because up until today, the video version of the podcast has only been made available to channel members on the YouTube channel. So guess what's going to about to happen? Guess what's going to about to happen? Guess what is about to happen? Um, we're about to uh, make some changes to the uh, YouTube channel membership perks. You know, all the fun things that you get extra as a YouTube channel member. We're going to change that up a bit because the video version of the podcast is now free for everybody and anybody who likes that sort of thing. So why restrict it to just the YouTubers out there, right? Um, no sense in doing all that and making life more difficult and unpleasant for you by having to shell out unnecessary dollars. Now, should you decide to shell out any dollars that supports Midgard Musing, please uh, realize that it is uh, very much appreciated and I thank you greatly because this podcast is a Midgard Musings production and I am the face of Midgard Musings. My name is Jesse and I host these podcasts weekly on all major streaming platform so wherever you're listening from whatever you're streaming from however you enjoy your podcasts thank you so much for supporting this podcast check the show notes description wherever this information may be stored um, on whatever platform you're listening and watching on check those show notes or description area for uh, the Midgard Musings link tree which contains all of my social media where you can follow and support me there uh, please be sure to Check out my Midgard Musings YouTube channel, uh, which has up to date been kind of dormant, uh, with the exception of a few short videos here and there. Um, definitely going to be putting out some more content very soon. And I know I've said that on this podcast a number of times. It's just that when I think things are about to take a turn uh, for, uh, you know, where I can I can do more things like that, something else comes in and something else takes over to... Uh, you know, rustle up the jimmy. So let's uh, get our intro going here for 
the Midgard Musings podcast or the Midgard Musings uh, theme song, theme music, theme intro, whatever you want to call it. And we shall uh, let you guys know what today's episode is about. We're going to have another really awesome guest joining us today from uh, the beautiful West Coast of the United States. So let's get it. Yeah, so uh, I have no clue, <laughs> and this is usually how it goes. I have a clue, but um, about some things. But uh, what, as far as what we're going to be talking about today uh, with my special guest, um, let's uh, let's just say that it's going to be quite random. I I can assure you, and we're going to just see uh, where things go, um, and and how they go. Um, his name is. Uh, Liam, um, and he uh, holds an office position, and I say office, I mean like a, a court office, an office of the court uh, position for a uh, national organization, as I understand it, and he's going to come on here in just a minute to clarify anything that I may be mistaken or misspeaking about, um, but a, a heathen organization, a national organization, and I believe it is like an official organization, like it's either a 501c or, or whatever but he's going to talk a bit about that and we'll see where everything else goes but he uh i believe he holds a title position and an official uh capacity within that organization which is uh nans which is uh, an abbreviation for the north american nordic society so we've got liam going to be joining us and talking a bit about that and uh you know whatever else may strike our interest or set our minds on fire or strike our fancies we're just going to ramble on a bit you know one heathen to another um i've had some uh like facebook chat conversations with liam I've, I've been on some video uh conversations with him before not just me um but also uh our Gothi, uh dingo um so we're all like in a group chat and i know some of the other guys um not like personally know them but i know some of the other guys that are a part of nan's uh that whole organization seeming seems like some really really awesome cool folks to get to know and you'll have to excuse me for the hiccups because i am uh drinking a brew a beer um from this tankard which has a fur cuff for some reason wrapped around it and i don't know where i got this cuff thing from or what it even can't even remember what it came to it's not real fur it's like a faux fur it just looked cool i thought it would look cool you know kind of almost like a koozie wrap it around my tankard the tankard is just a you know uh, thrift store thing got it for like three bucks at goodwill so that is um it's, it's a gaelic ale that's inside of it so uh, i don't normally have beer during the shows i usually have a whiskey I usually have a whiskey, which is uh, definitely not an Italian drink. Um, scotch. I usually have scotch whiskey in my glass, and I don't have any scotch whiskey today because I'm out, because I drank it all, and I'm sad about it. So um, I had this beer in the fridge since July, um, 
And uh, yeah, so today we're breaking it open. Two days away, actually, the time of the recording of this podcast. We are two days away from the start of Winter Nights. So by the time you folks are getting this uh, out here on the podcast airwaves or platforms, et cetera, uh, we will already have been uh, into the second day, uh, going into the second night of Winter Nights, which is a three-night-long um, celebration, historically speaking, a three-night-long celebration so uh yeah anyway enough from me i'm sure you guys are ready to meet my guests so let's uh let's go ahead and welcome in liam from the north american nordic society come on you're good all right folks uh here we are and here he is here he be it says i'm joined with uh liam we go go by liam is that yes i go by liam all right. Well, hail and welcome to uh, Random Human Ramblings podcast, Sir Liam uh, from the NANS or North American Nordic Society. Hail and welcome. That's us. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, actually pretty excited to be here and to discuss some concepts that a lot of people um, may not have thought about and may not have made the correlations to. Great, great. Yeah, and that's what I like about having people on from different uh not just, you know, walks of life, uh, religiously or spiritually, but getting different heathen uh, percep- perceptions or perspectives um, on yeah. things. Because, you know, what one person's uh, approach is or what one group's approach is. You know, I feel that with the, the differences between regions, uh, even just in our country, because, you know, I'm in North America, you're in North America, we're both in the U.S., uh, how we, modern heathens practice in, in the U.S. is probably a lot different than heathens in modern times practice abroad and elsewhere and and stuff. So it's always great to, I think, uh, share knowledge with each other and, and, you know, maybe light some fires in our minds and get things, you know, exploring things that uh, we maybe hadn't thought about before. So appreciate the, you know, willingness to get on here and just ramble on a bit about those things. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. But um, before we get into all that fun stuff, you know, I, I mentioned um, before you came on here that uh, you are uh, not just part of this organization, uh, North American Nordic Society, but you, you are a official or a uh, title carrying um, member. So I didn't want to like speak out of turn or say anything that, you know, was inaccurate. So if you would care to, you know, kind of just introduce yourself, who you are, and then what uh nans is and about uh and tries to kind of let everybody that's listening and watching get a little bit in on on you guys sure so my name is liam um i am the ceo and the founder of the northern american nordic society um i am also what is called a ultim gothi which is the fifth highest level of the gothi priesthood um specific to our organization um, our, our main goal in NANS is to educate people about the faith, about the spirituality, about the history of our ancestors and the people, not just from uh, Scandinavia and the Norse tribes, but also from Germania and the Rus tribes as well, going into when they made contact with uh, the Celtic tribes and going into Britannia and those eras as well, but pre-Viking to Viking era is kind of where our focus is on the historical side of things. And we offer a safe place for new pagans who are new to our faith 
to have a safe environment to learn, to not feel uncomfortable or be chastised for not knowing, um, to be able to express their thoughts and their opinions and ask questions without being uh, made to feel like they're inadequate or uneducated or lesser because they don't know as much or they're not as far along as they walk. Um, so we have classrooms that we teach people. Right now, everything is completely online. We stepped completely away from Facebook except for our page. So we have our own server now, which is our kind of built in-house uh, social media through Discord. And then we have our main webpage, which is northernamericannordicsociety.com. You can go on there and see all our information, learn how to become a member through there and see the good stuff that we benefit or that we provide that benefits um, people of our community and people outside of our community as well. One of the big things we're trying to do with NANS is do a lot of charity work and outreach for not just Norse pagan people, but for all peoples, peoples who really need um, they need help, financial help, they need food, they need support, they need someone to turn to that is there to provide some safety and someone to give them spiritual counseling and guidance just so they know that they're okay and everything will be okay. That's what NANS is there for. So that's one of the things we do. That's a, that's a lot of, that's, I mean, that covers a lot of ground, I think, mm -hmm. um, especially, you know, considering how much the, I think, uh, you know, paganism in general as an umbrella term. Um, I don't see stuff like this going on, like what you're describing. There, there, there are some, right? There are some like organizations and groups that are very much uh, interested in, you know, serving the community. Right. Not, not, not just the pagan community, but, you know, the community that they live in and, and doing that, those sorts of uh, those, you know, things that you mentioned, like outreach for, you know, the less fortunate or people that need, you know, clothing, financial aid, you know, spiritual backing you know anything like that with with focus being on the community so right. i know that uh now are you are you guys uh like enough like when you say you know the northern american nordic society like you guys are a legit yes org right i mean you you we got are the... a legit organization we have um we have all our paperwork in from the state of california um, right now, it's we're, we're waiting for a 1023EZ form uh, to be turned in. We have four years after after we filed our paperwork to be a religious um, organization, so a church, mm. so to speak. Mm. Um, we are doing those like tax exempt status yeah. and, and things of that. It, nature, it gets yeah. a, a specific tax exemption. It's a little bit different than uh, 5031C. It's more. Okay specific to legitifying the religion in the federal level recognizing us as this is a standalone religion this is this is what it is um it gives us that tax exemption so we can collect funds and provide the things and the services that we're trying to provide and that we're working towards providing and you know we set out uh 2017 is when i created it it used to be called uh the northern american um astro heathen or astro yeah, the Astro Heathen community is what it used to be called. And then we changed the names after we rebranded because um, we weren't getting very much traction with the old name because it was too, too encompassing of different ideas. So we rebranded and since then, everything's been, been going great. And, you know, we just launched our webpage uh, about three and a half months ago. We've got tons of new memberships coming in. We're always looking for more members to come in. Anyone who, even if you don't want to become a full member, you're more than welcome to come and learn. You're more than welcome to come and participate, help out in any way that you can. 
Um, the, the whole idea is to get our faith, specifically Norse paganism, um, in a better light in the community, in the world. We're, we're tired of people associating heathenry in general as kind of that racist, skewed, motivated type religion, because that's not what it's about. He's the all father, not the some father. And we're trying to protect people who believe in our faith um, from people giving the wrong idea about what we believe, um, our symbols, um, the names of, of certain things in our religion, such as a Gothi, um, things like that. We're trying to protect those things. So we have, we're actively working on, you know, getting certain, certain terminologies uh, copywritten so that they can be pr protected for all the organizations out there that are non-racist. So we can make uh, the appropriate moves to keep the racially motivated people out of the faith, out of our um, religion and claiming our relics for racially motivated hate crimes and things like that. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, like when, uh, with, with, with people that are, that are fresh to this belief system that, you know, because there, there's so much to it, you know, and it's kind of, yeah. you know, you can't just say, oh, I'm an, you know, well, I think you probably can, you can, you can get some people that come into this. I'm, I'm new to this path. Okay. Well, what path are you talking about? Right. Are, are you looking at a, at a more, you know, Germanic pagan where it's, you know, you, you, are you more of a historical right. approach or, you know, are you looking at, uh, reliving or uh, um, reconstructing the the cultural differences of a certain region, you know, because there's there's so much. You know, the Swedes did it differently than the Icelanders, yes. which who did it differently than the Danes, maybe slightly different yeah. from the Norwegians, and then on and on and on down history. So it's kind of like, and we're in North America, you know what I mean? And I think that there's a lot to be said about uh, building and and uh, preserving our own traditions based on where we are, right? So. You know, you guys are in the Pacific Northwest, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And, yes, and, California. Yeah, and and how you guys up up in that part of the country um, observe and do things are probably going to be regionally different because of you know those types of things. They're going to be regionally different. Your your customs, your traditions are going to be that different than than some than some folks that maybe out in Texas or on the uh, the East Coast in the Appalachia mountain ranges and, and us here in Tennessee and, and all that. Right. But uh, so like with what you guys are aiming to do and what you've been doing, um, how do you see how your organization can can cater to to folks? Because I'm assuming that your membership, right, is not is, is it strictly based on the region? Like, is it just for folks in the northwest <clears throat> Pacific area of the country or is it kind of open to other it's areas? Open. Our, our organization is open to everyone in the Americas. So that includes South America, includes Mexico, includes oh, wow. the United States of America, Canada, Alaska. We have members from the UK. Um, we have members from Iceland, from Sweden, from Norway, from Germany, um, mm. even a few from uh, Spain, actually, within our organization. Um, and, you know, we're trying to we're trying to approach uh, the animistic views of the old world religion, trying to reconstruct it to a certain point with the knowledge that we have based on how the people lived their lives and why they would have made those assumptions to the religion. Um, we're trying to reconstruct it as close as possible, but also keeping an open mind to there is going to be an element of personal spiritual development and personal spiritual connection to the gods and to the religion. So it's, 
finding that that fine balance between the lines and uh just kind of guiding people along um along that path that that feels right for them for the most part and giving them the knowledge of the history and letting them make their own mind up for themselves because the best the best way and i mean the absolute best way you're going to come to any conclusion about any of this is build a relationship with the gods yourself have someone guide you to the information so you can learn about them and help you learn about them but when you really get down to the dirty nitty-gritty and the brass behind it it's building that relationship with the gods it's building that relationship with your ancestors and building that relationship with the spirits of the world and all the nine worlds that live within it and that's how you're going to really determine what's right for you and what's not right for you i'm not here to tell you you're wrong or you're right i'm here to go you're on the right path for you that's that's the whole point of being a gothi is as much as i am teaching other people I am also learning as much as I'm teaching them. I'm learning from them. Right. That's a huge thing, you know, with, uh, with so many newcomers. And I think I, every time I turn around, I'm, you know, seeing questions from people, I'm, you know, I'm new to this path. Where do I start? You know, and that's like, man, you know, how much time do you have? Because that's a question that you can't really just like summarize into a brief. I mean, you can, but it's like, there's so much left open to follow up on with more questions about okay you know this this, there's really not one path here that we're all on we're all right on our own paths that that some of us have found commonalities with other people and so we're building those those tribal traditions or those communities uh you know very on a very small scale yes um and that is 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 where like i see the future of heathenry paganism specifically what you call norse paganism or dramatic i i feel that this specific branch of paganism heathenry right is is the the future of it resides in our ability to learn to to bring it back to the to, to the grassroots and and not be so uh focused on well what organization am i a part of who do i pay dues to you know who's my quote-unquote regional gothi this or that like there's a place for it and i feel that there's an important place for it especially now in today's society where everything is so like we have such a broad reach yes because of you know discord servers and social media and all these sorts of things like there's there's a there's a tremendous opportunity there for us to uh influence and and uh become part of something and, and that's what people are looking for but not to take that to so much to the extent that we lose sight of where heathenry really thrives which is yep. at the community level and, and doing and being part of of something like that at that 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 brings up a fantastic point so i just want to touch base on uh, a scenario that is just that so even even nans north american nordic society we started out with uh about the spiritualism doing doing live blots and, and building that sense of community and then we had this idea of hey we could do more with this we could actually help people with this and give them a place to feel safe and not just people that we deem worthy but people all over the world people of all all over different ethnicities different spiritual backgrounds um different mindsets and cultures can come to nans and still feel safe to learn here so when we set out to build what we've built now um even even with us being as spiritual as we are we we can lose track very very easy and be become too uh 
singular minded as far as the business side goes and trying to focus so much on the business that where you're losing sight on the spirituality. And I'll tell you firsthand as, as a spiritual advisor and someone who's also running a, a legit business, which is what a church technically is, um, we have to run it that way. But it, it does draw and wane on your spiritual, on your spiritual path and your spiritual okay. side. So it's a matter of trying to keep the balance in there and constantly reminding yourself every day, am I doing this because I'm trying to get to make money or am I doing this so I can help people? Am I doing this to be a spiritual advisor? Am I doing this because I'm being called to do it? So I wake up every day and I have to remind myself, hey, I'm, I'm focusing way too much right now on the business side of it. I need to get back into the teaching. I need to get back into um, advising people spiritually and helping them along their journey, guiding meditations, guiding them to the answers that they're looking for from the gods. Um, so it, that right there, people with that very, this is my organization, this is their organization, they can't come in, they can't be a part of that. It, it's that type of mentality, that thought process from being too much organized, which yeah. leads you astray from what you set out to do. And that's one of the things that Nans wants to rectify within that Norse pagan community is bring everyone together. Uh, there is, if you want to call yourself uh, the Vulcan fourth kindred, or you want to call yourself the dark boar kindred or Nans or whatever you want to call yourself, it's just a name. We're all brothers and sisters. We are all children of the gods. We're all here trying to do the same thing. So why not think about ways that we can work together and find those commonalities and those things that we're interested in that are alike rather than separating ourselves. Do you think that a lot of the, the problems, and this is like an open question, but I like to get other people's insights on it, but do you think that a lot of the, the problems that we face uh, or that we see with, um, you know, folks coming into to paganism, thinking that it has to be a certain way or guide me on this this like they they look at it as like a, as a singular path rather than yeah. a tree with many branches and a road that has many forks <clears throat> in it and stuff like it do you think that it has to do with the 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 domineering or the dominating global christian worldview on things that that has that is <clears throat> i want to say like infected the mindset but i mean quite literally when i came into paganism when i became what i am today and, and growing to each day become like I had to change my entire perspective and worldview on things because of the Christian influences of, right. of you know, sacredness and, and a deity and spirituality and, and deeds, you know, sin and, and all this other kind of stuff, which has place in heathenry, believe it or not. Like a lot of these terms, a lot of these things, it just, it's just, it means a different thing and it has different implications. So do you think that, that that's a th like that 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 people are, are are struggling with that when they're when they're coming into this thinking that oh it's got to be a certain way it's got to be that because of the, the 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 excess like baggage that they may have I, picked up. I on. think I think it's definitely a big influence on their perception of the religion and what they're expecting going into it, um, and I think that also has to do a lot with also the perception of the people who are the leaders in the organizations that these people are coming to because I have so many people in Nans who have come from different spiritual backgrounds. I have people who've come from Wicca. I've have people who've come from Hellenic. I have people who believe it or not come from Catholicism. They've come from Christianity and uh, a couple of them have come from being Jehovah's witnesses and Mormon and stuff like that. And when they first oh, wow. get in, they're, they're expecting it to be, uh, 
kind of how Hollywood perceives and personifies our religion as yeah. this very, I, I, I hate the, I hate the term brosatru, the, the brosatru cult. You know, Hollywood has unfortunately tainted. Yeah, uh, like we're all Vikings. Religion and is. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it has a lot to do with both. Um, we have to understand as spiritual advisors um, in our communities and elders within our communities and chieftains within the communities that the new generations coming in, it's our responsibility to usher them in um, to make them feel comfortable and know that it's okay to have certain thought processes and certain ideas floating around in their head because they've been indoctrinated into those from the religion that they were in before or even indoctrinated from society i mean look at the world today christianity has been around for 2000 uh 21 years is legitimately how long christianity has been around and in that time 90 percent of our pagan religions have been completely lost like 90 percent of everything we know about the, the pagan world has been completely lost other than stuff that they have recently within the last hundred years dug up and reconstructed 90% of the actual meat of the faith in our religion um, and pre-Christian um, Mesoamerican religions, all those things have been lost and buried up with the modern concepts and the modern norms of how societies are supposed to think and how they're supposed to believe in the types of religions that they're supposed to believe in. So it's, it, it is a, a systemic issue branching from I, I don't like to necessarily bash christians because i don't care what they believe i care what i believe and they're free to believe what they want to just don't chastise me for my beliefs so it, it does yeah I, I think it is um a relevant factor in in new pagans finding any any pagan faith you know you bring up an interesting thing talking about just the the, the influence that you know, when you say Christianity and whatnot has has had on on the world, right? Not just in in uh, North America or in the U.S., but just all over the world. The the, the broad yeah. reach that that it has had, and I and I and I love to see, um, you know, people nowadays. And I recently saw something like this happen a couple of weeks ago um, with uh, one of the uh, officials that represent the troth. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a pagan and a pastor sitting in. A church building at somewhere i think it was in wisconsin or minnesota or something and uh they sat there and they and they talked about things that you know the pastor's view on things and it was you know in front of an audience a live audience but it was streamed live for the world to see and uh it was such a wholesome conversation there was no hate towards each other there was actual dialogue between them two about certain approaches on things and how you know because let's face it right christianity uh in in its reach and 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 it, it it's not a it's not like every christian is bad right there have been some really right. crappy people over the over, over time and a lot of them have been christians but there's also been some really terrible people that do things in the name of of our of our pagan gods and and in mm -hmm. trying to, 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 to defame and 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 disgrace those uh sacred figures as well so it, it it touches on so many different levels so to say that you know you're you're bad just because of the religion you follow is right. so misguided i think you know yes. people are just shitty people because of them being shitty people right and and <laughs> using their religion to, to fuel their hate is just an you know another 
thing to weed through is and it's an unfortunate yeah, reality it's you know? it's a it's a sad sad thing in a state of affairs when people of the world focus so much on the differences of their religions that that's their only thing that they have to dislike is i i dislike you because you're not christian you're gonna burn in hell because my religion tells me this or i dislike yeah. you because you're christian and you persecuted my ancestors and you're a bad person because you're like, they are the ones that did it, you know, like it was them <laughs> yeah. that were out there, you know, hunting pagans down and crucifying <laughs> them or doing it. It's like, dude, really? Like, <clears throat> to tell you the truth, and... <laughs> I, I, my, my Christian friends and my Mormon friends, cause I, I am friends with Christians. I am friends with Mormons. I'm friends with uh, Protestants and Jehovah's witnesses and a few Muslim people. Um, I, I love my, abrahamic faith brothers and sisters um regardless of the the differences of worldview as far as religion goes yeah. because they see who i am as a person they see the honor and the integrity and the truth how i live my life and the words and the actions that i speak and live and they're able to look past the fact that i'm pagan and their idea of what they were taught about what pagan is or what norse pagan is and they actually see me as a man and that's how I see them. I see them as a man or a woman, not but not based off their religion. I, I view and weigh them by their actions, by their deeds, by yeah. them holding true to their honor and their words. And that's that's what I think NAMS tries to teach its new members is it's really important to walk the walk that you're claiming you're walking and not just talk it, but actually live that life. Um, there, yeah. There is no shame in being a uh, outspoken Norseman who's proud of your religion and also accepting someone else for their religion. There's no shame in that. Yeah, because that's what we want, right? We want to, to be, uh, we want to, we, first of all, we just want to do what we do and not get bothered for it, you know, right? I mean, exactly. nobody wants that. And I, don't, and I don't think anybody who practices any religion, you talk about doing it and walking the walk. I mean, I've, mm -hmm. I've heard, you know, he heathenry and, and paganism, it's a living religion. Well, I contest that really any religion, any anything that you want to devote your life to, uh, to that extent, you should be living it, regardless of what right. it's called, right? Regardless of what yep. label it has put to it, you should be living it. And that's if that's what you claim to be, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a Christian, then live like one. If you're a pagan, you know, live like one. If you're a Buddhist, live, live like life. one of these, you know, so live it, be it, do it, and let your deeds be the thing that your worth is measured by yeah. because that's ultimately you know you're only a, you're only worth as much as the value that's placed upon you by your by your people you know yep. you're you're not anything without them right and we're not anything without the without our people and without our you know people in our community so exactly i think what too if many... I... sorry didn't mean to cut you off no 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 go ahead what if i was to tell you um, a simple way to scientifically sum up every religion being accurate to the individual who's experiencing the religion. What if you were to tell me that? Mm -hmm. I'd say what tell me I'm... more. So <laughs> we have a we have a chemical in our brain which is known as DMT that's produced by the pineal gland. The pineal gland, even even the ancient Egyptians and ancient Sumerians knew about the pineal gland. They had they had. Um, very accurate mapping of the brain and pictures of the pineal gland and had full on fables written about the knowledge gland, right? Um, so there's this chemical in the brain called DMT that gets released into the blood. Um, it's scientifically proven now as of 2020, 
uh, in mid 2020 doctors finally discovered large large amounts of DMT in people's uh, optic nerve system, right? So this this is responsible for how we perceive the world around us. This chemical that's naturally produced in the brain is solely responsible for how we perceive things visually, right? So when you have a dream and you're having a very vivid dream that you can remember, it's because large amounts of DMT are being dumped into your brain. It's the same thing when we have a personal spiritual experience. When we are meditating or we are going on a walk, a spiritual journey or an adjournment, and we are experiencing communications with spirits, deities, ancestors, um, interdimensional beings, whatever, whatever have you, um, they're not false because someone else isn't having the same experience. They are 100% accurate and true because you are having that experience. So every religion out there at some point, because of the personal experience that they're having, you, you hear of Christians and Catholics having these encounters with angels coming, right? That is their, their brain's way of perceiving spiritual beings that they're encountering through the amount of dmt being dumped into their brain at the time so does that make it false because you're not seeing it no it's just as valid as my religion and my experiences and, and me seeing when i do a blot to odin and odin showing up with a group of 25 people and everyone experiencing that together and it's just as valid as that i feel like uh I feel like Joe Rogan's going to kick in the door or whatever any second now talking <laughs> about DMT <laughs> because now we're getting into some some really interesting points of the uh, the way our the way we operate the way our the way this meat machine functions yeah. the things that the things that um, you know you look at uh, you know you talk about like scientific evidence and 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 medicinal benefits and stuff to things like psilocybin uh, and 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 how that is literally like we, you've got, you know, medical doctors who advocate for the safe administration of these types of things to like reset your bodies and, and change your perception of things to the point for, for, for your health, right? It's like the mm -hmm. most, it's the most holistic and beneficial antidepressant known to man. And yet millions and millions of people are out here suffering unnecessarily because of stupid, you know, regulations that, that prohibit yep it's free use and administration. So, you know, 100%, I, I have, I, I can't gainsay really anything with what little I know about the things right. that you're talking, but just what some of what I do know, I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, um, not to, not to say that, you know, let's all go out here and do shrooms, but <laughs> Hey, let's all get out here and do shrooms. Where I think it gets uh, misconstrued and it becomes um, a negative thing with that personal spiritual experience is when the person allows too much of their internal ego, um, that part of themselves that says I'm right and I know I'm right, or I want to see this. So I'm going to project that into my meditation. I'm going to subconsciously project that into my experience. Hmm. Um, we have to be careful when we're experiencing these things and helping other people experience them. Cause that's one of the things I do is I, I lead people through shamanic death journeys. Um, I lead them through uh, Sade High Seat and Mound Sitting to communicate with their ancestors and Who communicate that, with huh? the gods. Yeah. Uh -huh. Very nice. <clears throat> and that's very cool. I don't hear a lot of people talk about that. And that's good to hear. You have to be very careful um, 
with preparing them, it, it usually takes about six months to a year of me leading them through guided meditations so that they're ready at that point that their ego is not in control of their thought processes and their subconscious when they're in a meditative state. So that the answers that they're getting are actually from spirit. They're actually from the gods and not from their higher consciousness telling them, hey, you, you like, for instance, I'm just going to use it as an example. All these people who are infatuated with Marvel's Loki, okay? And they, they meditate for the first time ever because they become pagan and they have this vision where Marvel's Loki comes to them and tells them, oh, I love you. You're my god spouse, blah, 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 blah. And now you're mine. And they sleep with them in their meditation. No, I'm sorry. If you don't have the basic understanding of the practices built up to build up the energies and know the difference between your ego, an ancestral spirit coming in or a god coming in, how are you going to tell anyone when you're brand new at this practice and haven't practiced it long enough to really make those judgment calls to discern the difference between the three how are you going to tell somebody that that's not your ego feeding you the answers that you want to hear from an egotistical place wow yeah that's a really valid thing to to bring up you know because the, the infatuation with the gods especially early on i mean i think i don't know speak for all but i'll speak for myself like that was again because of of past you know, baggage or, or other worldviews, you know, God was the number one thing that you had to focus on in, in Christianity, right? So coming into like a, a polytheistic religion, uh, believe, you know, like I found out way later on, not early on enough that it's not so much about the gods as it is about building that relationship with your ancestors and, and having them part of your life and building that hearth cult, you know, the, the, the thing that's yes. closest to you. Um, and then over time, you know, the, the, the relationship with your gods and, and the spirits around you becomes, it's an organic growth into things, you know, like you're not just going to dive head first and, you know, sudden be chosen by Odin or you're one of his warriors or wolves or any of this other mumbo jumbo that just tends to run rampant, it seems, in, in these people's minds. And, hey, why is that? It's, be, again, because of the, the influences that are around us all all over you know hollywood yep. and past experiences from other religion uh, other i'm really religion. i'm really not trying to be a gatekeeper in that aspect either i mean there, there's a there's a certain level of you know having to stop people and go look i have to hit you with a reality a reality mm -hmm. qualm in your brain and get you to reset a little bit and take a step back um, but there's also a level of, okay, now how can we guide you to the right answers and guide you to learn these techniques so that you're doing it properly and not being tricked by your own ego. Wow. So there, there's a level that kind of comes off sometimes is gatekeeping, or I'm just trying to tell you what to do. Um, and it, it's more so out of, I am legitimately concerned about the individual who's practicing these things when they don't have the first clue of what they're practicing because you know as somebody who practices uh vidki right you practice some save magic right i have dabbled a bit into that you know okay. more recently than anything <clears throat> because of some of my personal events and goings on in my life so right mostly rune divination but yeah when you're naive and ignorant to the truth behind it and you read something out of a book and think, oh, I read it once, I think I got it and I can do it, you know how dangerous that can be towards your soul. You know how dangerous that can be to yeah. your spirit and to your psyche. Our gods, people have this misconception about our gods being these love and light gods because mm -hmm. of this whole neo-pagan neo movement. I hate to break it to you people. No, 
they are not love and light they are the gods of war yes they do have aspects of other things that can make them compassionate but they are a very dark energy they are from a darker place a darker realm um sade work is known as shadow work like literally the work you do as someone who practices sade high seat and sayership and who uh, strives to do that it is very dark self-reflective diving deep within the cesspool and the pits of uh, the void within yourself to build an understanding for yourself and that's not a light happy place it's a heavy dark place it's very retrospective, I think. You know, so much yeah. of the darkness is is revealing, right? And and exposed, like you're exposed. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a very like exposing, open, like again, not like light into the sense of like everything's visible, but it's it's very revealing. That's the best. I don't know. That's the first thing that comes to mind when I say it's describing it. It's like, you know, the dark shows you a lot, and it's yeah. it's uh again, it's it's hard to for me at least to like sit there and, and describe it. I'm not good at that sort of thing. I'm not like, I experience my own things and I keep it close yeah. to my heart. So you got folks like you and my Godi, uh, Dingo, who we, we, we all know, right. We, we've yeah. chatted and, and stuff and, and he's been a huge help for me because he has those years of experience and he has right. all that. And he's kind of like my go-to guy, um, with stuff like this. And he's helped me tremendously a lot you know, uh, kind of shift my approach. And I'm not quite there yet. You know, like I, I talked right. to him about an experience that I had not too long ago. And I've, you know, shared it with certain people where I was like, I had the intent or, or the idea I was, I was trying to reach a certain place in my, um, trans work. Right. And I didn't quite, I didn't feel like I got there. And that think talking with you right now, like it makes me think like the ego was, was blocking that ability to, to, to get there. But I got close. I got up, I got close to a certain point. Like, you know how you're, you know, navigating through a maze and you, and you keep hitting those dead ends. Well, you made it halfway through, or you made it three quarters of the way through. You just didn't quite get to the other side right. yet. And it's kind of how it felt for me, you know, like I made it to a certain point that I just didn't get there yet. And then I'm given time and, and practice. And then that's the thing about it. It's, it's, it's literally a practice. You're not going to yes. get it on the first time. You're not going to, you know, just all of a sudden, to put it in, you know. <laughs> to put it into per perspective, um, something that other people who are familiar with certain spiritual concepts from other faiths, Native American shamanism, true true shamanism, um, their medicine people start practicing and start learning and start their practice from a very young age, like five six years old. They're chosen by the town medicine man or woman, and they live with them for years and they don't become a shaman until they're in their 70s or 80s they don't fully reach that level of shamanism until they're wise within their age and have that experience of practice every day helping people helping themselves helping their family helping people outside of their family on spiritual adjournments and things like that so we have a a, a common problem within especially the norse pagan community where people come from an eclectic type background or wicca and they think, oh, because I practice witchcraft of any form, now that I'm Norse pagan, I'm all of a sudden a Vola, or I'm all of a sudden a Vitki, or I'm all of a sudden a Sade. I'm a great seer. If you haven't been practicing this specific brand of magic for 35 to 40 years plus, I hate to break it to you, you are not anywhere near the level to call yourself a Vola, or a Vitki, or a Sade. Reason being is because 
you haven't put in the time and the effort to gain the wisdom and the knowledge and the practice and the discipline in that art form to have somebody else. It wasn't something that you would call yourself. I would never in a million years call myself. Yep. I'm, I'm a high seat said, I would never call myself that. Why? Because I don't ever feel worthy of that. Other people, they call me that because I help guide them through things. But even then I stop them most of the time and say, no, I've only been doing this for the last 15 years. I've only been practicing sage for the last 15 years. Don't call me. Don't call me a Norse shaman because I'm not. I'm not going to be there until I'm in my 80s and on my deathbed. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good point because like that's the name. That's the thing that is given to you. And that's, I think, another important thing that you don't give these titles to yourself. You don't no. decide one day I woke up because I had this dream or because I had this experience or because of whatever that all of a sudden this is what I am. These are these are honorifics or these are things that your people, your tribe give to you for the reasons that you have proven your worth in that way. So re regardless of the years, regardless of the time, and I fully agree. I mean, like th these, these types of things just don't happen overnight and it takes a lifetime no. to, to be that thing truly. Um, but for in the interim and during that process, as we approach that, you know, elder state, you know, the people around us that, that see those things or, or that see those traits that want to, you know, bestow that title on 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 individuals right i mean be well guided and be well versed to know what it is that you're implying but that's really you know you do the thing and you become known for that and that's what that's what it's about you right <laughs> the sort day i the way. day i call myself um and legitimately call myself from a place of ego from a place of i've earned it um uh a master said i want you to slap me <laughs> I'll, come, I'll just be like hold on let me get into a taxi or go an uber right let me get on a plane let me fly over there to your location let me get into another uber let me knock on your door what are you doing Whack. you know <laughs> you told me <laughs> and then just fly yeah. back hey, that was my weekend you know no but um so i, I don't want to get like we've gotten off onto some really cool discussion and then this this is like one of those things that we could like make a a, a long yeah. drawn out thing about and and probably not even scratch the surface a lot of good stuff but i did want to take some time and 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 use this opportunity that i have you here to really talk about something that we we chatted a little bit about before uh we brought you in on the podcast today yeah. and that was this whole uh concept or notion of um of uh tear and his position in amongst the aesir gods and his role as the you know the chief god yeah. and how um, Odin over time kind of was uh, the replacement or, or took that chief role. Um, so right. what, what, do, what do you have to say about that? And where are we going to go with that for the last segment of the podcast? <laughs> okay. So the, the easiest way to break this down is we know historically, it's been historically proven that before the Scandinavian tribes from, you know, Norway, Iceland, um, more of the Northern Germanic regions of the Germanic tribes or Germania, um, started worshiping uh, Votan and later on turned him into Odin, the Allfather. They worshiped uh, a god called Treg or Tyr, right? Tyr or Treg was the original chieftain god of all the Germanic tribes. And you see this um, historically when you, when you go into archaeological discoveries and you see what's been dug up, you see reference to this god named Treg or Tyr or Tewas, um, yeah. you see him referenced as their chief and god. Um, 
specifically uh, in 98 AD, there was a Roman empire or emperor who was a pagan. He was a, a, Roman, a Roman Hellenic pagan um, who traveled the world and went to many different civilizations and recorded what he learned from the natives of those different lands that he traveled to. He wrote about 15 different books that were journals documenting the religions and the lifestyle and the cultures of the other cultures and peoples that he came in contact with. And he wrote one book specifically called the Germania. Um, the Germania talks about Treg or Tewas as the chief king god. And he makes some, some obvious uh, correlations to his own religion because he's Roman and he's been doing the best he can to compare things, but he makes some obvious comparisons to Mars, um, their chieftain God in Rome at the time, their yeah. God of war. And that's, that's what Treg was. He was their chieftain God and the God of war. So they made some, some obvious comparisons there. But if you read between the lines in his, in his book, you see this very clear um, painted picture of, the original chieftain god Tyr, we know from the Edic texts, not Snorri's version, not Snorri's translation, but from the Codex Rejects and older documents that have been found in older grave, grave sites, finds statues and things that Tyr was originally worshipped in Scandinavia as the original chieftain god. We know that Tyr had a father and he was a second generation god from the Jotun line, right? We know that Odin was a younger god known as Votan at the same time that Tyr was the chieftain god Votan was a god of knowledge and a god of wisdom that was a younger deity at the exact same time in Germania that Tyr was the chieftain god so the the concept that I've come up with um, which I'm sure some people have heard some people probably haven't is we know that Odin became the all-father we know that he took up that mantle and that title. We know that All Father is a title. We know that for sure that it's a title. So here we have Tyr, who is the original All Father. He's the one who holds that king of all the gods, the, the Jotun, before the Asir, before the Vanir, uh, the Vanir and um, before there was classifications of the different uh, ranks and classifications of those two different types of gods. We have Tyr, who is the father of all the gods, all the Jotun. We know that Odin is a Jotun. We know he is because his father and mother were Jotun. His grandfather was one of the first golden beings licked up from the great bovine from the edge of the Briny Gap. She was Jotun. His, his grandfather and grandmother were Jotun. What if I were to tell you that the translation of Tyr's father from the Eddas is a mistranslation based off of the way that the runes are translated when they're written from left to right and snaking through there are certain key markers within the runes that they use to signify, okay, this is the start of a new paragraph, or this is the start of a name, or this is a statement. There's evidences that we've come up with from looking at the Codex Rejects, um, where we've found certain marker points that you can barely make out the marker point because the rune stone itself has been worn away. Sure. And you can, you can just see the edge of the marker point stating that it's a new statement rather than a complete statement. Um, which brings me and my team of Gothis to the realization that Tyr passed down his mantle of Allfather to Odin after Odin sacrificed himself for knowledge and became the All-Seer. So the name Asir, A-E-S-I-R, means 
children of the all-seer. If you break that down, if you break it da down into Icelandic, it means children of the all-seer. Odin is the original all-seer. All-father, right? The line that Tyr comes from, there's uh, the un Angir, the Angir gods, which for the Jotuns in old Germanic tongue, Angir. Vanir means descendant of Angir. So Tyr steps down when Odin becomes the all-seer because his little nephew or his little cousin, either his nephew or his cousin, one of the two, um, there's still some debate on exactly which one it was, whether he was his nephew or his cousin. See, they're related. He's yeah. a younger, he's a younger related deity to him, becomes the all-father after Tyr steps down and hands him the mantle. Now get this. The children of Tyr and his followers from the Angir are pissed because now you have this new god who doesn't have the right to be the chieftain of the gods stepping up and renaming the gods who live with him in the high mounts as the Asir. This is where you get the term the Asir and Vanir war. This is where it starts. Jealousy, huh. competition, irritation. Why did you give up your mantle? Tyr stays behind to help guide Odin because he believed in him because he wanted to make sure he would be a just ruler. He felt he was wise enough to step up to the mantle and he stepped down. So why would he be angry and leave and follow his followers, the Vanir? He would stay in Asgard and continue on his work, now adopted into the Asgardian family, right? The Asir, as an Asgardian, as an Asir class, staying behind to help coach. And you see this throughout the Eddas, even in Snorri's translation, where Tyr gives um, Woden or Odin counsel. He gives him counsel all the time. You see it in uh, the Binding of Finra, where Tyr advised Odin against it. He advised, if you're going to do this, let me be the one to do this. Let me be the one to raise him and take him so he's not a harm to you and doesn't freak you out. Long story short, he ends up getting his hand bit off, but him and Tyr... Bring uh, that trust, right? Yeah. They, yeah. So no, it, that's a that's an interesting. Uh, I'm 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 absorbing all this, and I don't mean to cut you off, but like that's a really yeah. interesting take on it because the Jotun, the the Ungir gods, like they're gods. They're they're not yeah. a different. They're just a different race of gods, you know. Exactly. And, and they uh, maybe later on during the like the way the mythology evolved over time, you know, they became yes. these agents of chaos seeking to destroy. Whereas the Aesir were the figure of order, right? The figures of order, because that's how the society was being built at the time was, you know, order versus chaos, this whole yes. worldview of the universe is constantly in, you know, entropy and all this other, all these other things that we know now and today in terms, but that they just lived in experience and then personified through their, uh, through the gods and then how it evolved in time. It's really interesting though. Um, like I re I'm really captivated with the with the analysis of it all um, and thinking about like how these titles came about, because I remember, I don't know, I'm not a linguist, but I also remember seeing at some point that, you know, this all father uh, name or title may not necessarily be the most accurate translation of that word because it's al fadir. No. It's al fadir yes. in, in, in Old Norse, which is not all father. It's it means something totally different. But again, with the influences of Snorri and the Christianization of the period and how the mythology evolved and trying to retain those myths, but, but also move into the, the new Christian religion that, that, that 
took over uh, Scandinavia, yeah. how that kind of like it fit it fit the the demographic that was that was right. at the time moving away from the old world paganism that existed the old ways into the new right uh exactly world so so much Hmm. of our religion has been washed over or lost i mean i know snorri was uh, a bit of a historian he liked to try to keep as much historically accurate as possible but he was also a catholic and let's let's face it he was a, a christian priest uh monk who obviously had a duty to the church to um add his own influence and sway and perspective onto other people's religions and you see this time and time again with other works that snorri has written where he came in contact with the inuit people of uh the the original indigenous people who were in iceland before the scandinavians got there he took their religion and documented it and made a lot of christianizations and a lot of changes to words and meanings behind words and what they were actually practicing as far as their animistic faith and mm. changed perceptions on it wow good old snorri man well people people forget that that snorri wrote a lot more than just uh the edic texts yeah he he wrote a lot a lot of different texts on different religions and different peoples and different historical things so and that's the other thing too. Like I see people are, uh, I'm new to this path. Where do I start? And everybody's like, the Eddas, you know, read the poetic Edda, get read the prose Edda, read the this. I'm like, those are myths, man. Those are those are that's lore. Right. You really want to get down to to the the fundamentals or whatever. I mean, there there's way more to to learn from than just myth yep. and, and stories because it all it, they they came from somewhere, right? They they originated from something and and an idea. Myths are or, great. Yeah, I mean, not taking anything away from it, but it's, yeah, to me, it's not, it's not going to teach you how to practice or be this, No, you know, like that's, like I said, they're great for what they are, Um, right? but but, but what they are not for is, is, is for learning anything about this religion from a, from a practicing standpoint, from practical. I would say to any new pagan out there who's wanting to learn Norse paganism, uh, the best places to start your journey on it. Um, yeah, go ahead and get get copies of the Prose Edda and the Poetic Edda. Um, Dr. Jackson Crawford has a really, really solid translation of the Edic texts and the Havamal, as well as uh, the Volsunger. Um, that's going to give you a basic idea of the myths and get you kind of familiar with kind of the personalities of the gods and their, their trials and their triumphs and things like that. But if you want to get, get di- deeper into the more spiritual aspect of it, I, I urge you guys to look up history, look up the history on the Norse people, look at their clothing, look at their art, look at their music instruments, look at their tools and their weaponry and their lifestyle and try to get yourself into a place. Why would I use these tools this way? Well, because of the region I'm from, the beliefs that I have, why was my society and the laws in my society set up a certain way? Because of the everyday beliefs that they had. When you look at old Norwegian law, for instance, uh, you're allowed to kill your neighbor if you have a, a beef with them, but you can't pass the fourth house. On the fourth house, if you go to pass it, you're going you're gonna to be hung or you're going to be put to death or blood-eagled or kicked out of the community for murder. So there's, there's a cultural reason, and that cultural reason is also a spiritual reason. They're, you have to remember their spirituality was ingrained in their everyday life because they were so animistic. 
everything they did fishing hunting um making clothes building a house um raising animals everything all of it everything they did they incorporated their spiritual side to everything fishing they would leave offerings at the banks to nyord the the ferrymen and the fishermen to bring the fishermen home and to allow a good harvest of fish from the sea so that they can be plentiful and feed their their family everything they did praying when they when they would bend a knee and do blot ritual basic blot it's a very spiritual experience so if you want to get a good idea of heathen spirituality rather than just the faiths and the mythos read some history books on pre-viking age and viking age villages and society look at their laws look at the things that they did look at the feats of the people and the reasons behind why they did these things and that'll give you a good understanding of how the spirituality fits into the day-to-day life and a lot of people don't even realize this if you're living honorably if you're living with integrity and standing true to your beliefs and not doing anything that that could cause harm to other people without reason and stuff like that you're already farther along on that spiritual walk of being heathen oh yeah i i i i I say it a lot you know i have very close friends even people who i've bestowed kinship titles on and who in turn uh refer to me in in kinship titles that they're not pagan that i can see like they don't they don't believe the same thing they don't follow the same spirituality they they have their own spirituality but the way they live it's like you're the most pagan non-pagan that i know because right. of the way you behave and because of the way you act, it's like it doesn't those those things don't just mean that oh that's a pagan that's a pagan way of life. Like it may be the way those pagans at the time lived and and conducted themselves, but yeah. it doesn't mean that it's inherently pagan, you know. And so much right. of what we can learn, like you say, you know, historical. A lot of people forget how many sagas there are that you know. You look at some of those things that are that aren't part of like the Codex Regis or the or the, or the Edic texts. The book read some of the, of the sagas. Yeah, the book, of, like, the book of the Icelanders, prime example. That's seven thousand different personal, private journals from people from the Viking Age and yeah. uh, before the Viking Age, writing down their personal experiences and their day to day stuff. It, some of it's stupid stuff, like I went outside, it was cold. I went back inside and made tea, and some of it's <laughs> right? just stuff like that. Family sagas are great, you know. Yeah, <laughs> other things in it are detailed about their spiritual practice. Oh. The moon was out, so I praised Mani, and I left offerings, and I left this by the seashore and stacked rocks, you know. And that's so much that we lost, too, over time. Just those, you know, family practices, those cultic practices that were kind of bound and and reserved to the close family unit. Uh, We, you know, I talk to people nowadays who have a very spatial concept of their heathenry, right? It's not just what we're doing uh you know with this exactly. one particular thing it's it's the space around us and it's and it's making that and building it into their own myth their family yep. myths their family sagas and i'm like i love that more we need more of that because we are in saga times and and these are the moments that will shape what our descendants see and and, and learn from and what are we doing now yep. to to kind of be that uh, source material for them and then how are we living up to the you know the, our ancestors legacies and, and perpetuating that and, and continuing to feed the well you know we and, like to we like to say in nans we are the new ancestors make yeah, sure I mean, you yeah. set a good example yeah it's it's more truth than poetry to it for sure and 
and just know too for all those new uh pagans out there paganism is so much more norse paganism in particular so much more than just learning how to read the ruins and doing a bind ruin magic thing and leaving a prayer to the gods it's that is oh yeah that is that's not even i wouldn't even consider that part of norse paganism to be honest i mean it, it right. is but that's not you can it. make it part of it you can make it part of it but yeah you're right the magic side and the sorcery and the witchcraft that everyone's so like drawn to with Norse paganism. That's not what Norse paganism is. That's, that's a glip, a little tiny blip into part of it. And not everyone who was back then and is today practices Norse sorcery and practices ruin readings and stuff like that. And, and shouldn't 100% agree, right? You not, not, they didn't and they shouldn't. And I'm glad that I was one of those types when I first came into Norse heathenry, like I was not one of those ones that was infatuated with rune magic or, or reading the runes. Hell, I didn't even pick up my first rune set and do anything that way until several years into my faith. You know what I mean? Right. And it wasn't just something I'm like, well, it's been X amount of time. I'm ready. No, it was something that came to me in my own time through a vision that was like, nope. It was literally like a loud smack, you know, like almost like a thunderclap. Like, this is what you got to do. Right. This is where you got it. So that was my UPG. That's my personal experience. I've alluded to it. I've talked about it a lot on my different platforms, but that was what brought me to that point. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm a pagan. Now I should do this. And you're not supposed to do that. If, if, if that's not no. really what you've been drawn to do, don't don't force it. Don't think that you have to now because, oh, it's what I am now. And it's not part of it. That, that's not how it works. <laughs> right. You know? So I want to give everyone a quick glip. Um, I'm not afraid to show my pagan altar, my Norse pagan altar that I do my, oh, wow. Special. my blocks and stuff. So this is it's a little dirty right now. This is a blip into my Norse pagan altar. That is very impressive, actually. I love the the antlers and just everything. You got the furs. Very nice. I'm sure it's not been the same either over the years. I'm sure you've, it, it's kind of evolved into oh, what it, it has, is now. It and has it's changed. grown, it has changed, it has evolved into new things. I have different, different things I use for different blots, different, uh, different tools. Um, most people probably wouldn't even realize you could use certain things as a tools for your, your uh, pagan practice communicating with the gods. I mean, I have a war horn that I use to trumpet to um, Hemdelikner, Heimdall. Mm -hmm. um, I, I call to him. I can call to him right now. The audio is not going to fully, like, you're not going to be able to fully appreciate that, everybody listening and watching, but, like, that, that initial blast was probably the best as it's going to get. And then it kind of like trailed off at the end, but that's not something that you can experience fully and appreciate fully unless you're in person. Cause it does yeah. it like it, it reaches deep into like your, your core, man. Uh, yep. And I, thank you for sharing. That was, that was really special, but. Um, Very welcome. Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to blast that loud thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, never, 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 never going to turn down something like that, man, for sure. You know, um, but yeah, no, this was great. I think uh, I think we've got a lot to to share with everybody. So I hope you know everyone who's listened and, and tuned into the premiere today, because you know this is going out uh, for everybody watching right now on the morning of Thursday, Thursday. And interestingly enough, 
we are the day after the historical reckoning of winter night. So the night before this airs will have been the first night of, of Vitronot, or the, the winter nights in the old ways. And then in the old times, it was, you know, it was winter and summer. That was it. There was no four seasons in the north. You know, you had times when it was warm and times for harvest and, and, and raiding and doing whatever else. And then there was the times where you just hunkered down and didn't die or tried not to. And now we're getting into those months, people. We're yep. getting into those those dark times. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I hold my own, you know, winter nights thing. So this is this is this will be night two when this goes this comes out and everybody that's, you know, watching and part of it. So for you know anybody that uh, practices in that sort of way or observes uh, the, like the historical calendar of, of things, you know, have a safe and uh, prosperous winter months coming up and a safe winter nights uh, celebration. So to the folks at Nans, Liam, you know, you guys, you know, good winter nights to you all up there in Thank the you. in the Pacific Northwest and and stuff. So yeah, I think we'll wrap it up. Do you have, you have any parting words for anybody for everybody out here listening and watching before we uh, send this off into the yeah nine realms? <laughs> sure. May the gods bless your mind so that you may always know the truth. May they bless your sight so that you may always see the path before you. May they bless your tongue so that you may always speak clearly and honestly. May they bless your heart so that you may feel the blood pumping through your veins and feel life within you. May they bless your hands so that you can keep on the work. May they bless your navel so that you can continue to be full and well-fed so you can feed others. May they bless your loins so that you can be fruitful. May they bless your feet so that you may stay true to the path that you are on. Hail. Well spoken, sir. So thank you uh, for joining me. Don't go too far real quick before we end this. I'm going to just talk with you for a few, um, sure. but very, very well spoken and, and really meaningful words. So yes, to everyone listening and supporting, um, check the show notes or the description for uh, the website information that uh, Liam talked about earlier, all of Nan's information, where to find them, how to you know, become part of their community is going to be linked uh, down there, up there, over here, wherever it's going to be. So check it all out. Um, see if it fits you. Um, so until we all talk again, hail to you all, stay safe, and we'll see you next time.